0: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.
1: Good morning, friends of Radio Church and the compliments of the season. Good to have you again, uh, listening, as many of you will have done for many, many years. And it's good to be with you. I'm Donald Phillips of the Methodist Parish. Let's come to worship. God of Mary and Joseph, give us eyes to discern the work of your hands among us, Let us not approach Christmas with eyes closed to the remarkable things you do. Fill us with a humility that feels awe and gratitude. May we see your presence in many people and be ready to worship you with the same trust of that young woman. Amen. Now, we're going to sing, or listen to, rather, a very old tune. It's an old Basque carol from France, words by Bering Gould. It's called Gabriel's Message, and it's sung by the Sixteen, whose conductor is Harry Christopher. Let's pray. Because our preparations for Christmas are fast becoming too long and too trivial, restore your people, loving God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Because we make sure that food is plentiful, but exist on a meagre spiritual diet, Restore your people, loving God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Because you come to call us to our senses and rekindle our depleted faith, hope, and love, restore your people, loving God. Let your face shine. That we may be saved. Friends, hear the good news. Mary will bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Amen. And now I will be reading from Matthew's Gospel, the first chapter. Verses 18 to 25. This is how Jesus came to be born. His mother, Mary, was betrothed to Joseph. But before they came to live together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Her husband, Joseph, being a man of honor, and wanting to spare her publicity, decided to divorce her informally. He had made up his mind to do this when the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because she has conceived what is in her by the Holy Spirit, She will give birth to a son, and you must name him Jesus, because he is the one who is to save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill the words spoken by the Lord through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, a name which means, God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had told him to do. He took his wife to his home, and though he had not had intercourse with her, she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Now, another piece to listen to, not a carol, but a very well-known and more contemporary Christmas song Mary's Boyle Boy Child by Jester Hairston. And the singer is that great Welsh bass baritone Bryn Turfel, accompanied by Malcolm Martineau.
0: Long time ago in Bethlehem. So the Holy Bible say Mary's boy child, Jesus Christ Was born on Christmas Day Christmas Day While shepherds watched their flocks by night They saw a bright new shining star They heard a choir sing The music seemed to come from afar Now Joseph and his wife Mary came to Bethlehem that night. They found no place to bear her child. Not a single room was in sight. By and by they found a little nook in a stable all forlorn. And in cold and dark Mary's little boy was born time ago in Bethlehem, so the Holy Bible say, Where is boy child, Jesus Christ, was born on Christmas Day.
1: And they will call him Emmanuel. Words from Matthew's Gospel. Well, it's only a week away now, and then the pressure will be off. The duties of Christmas will be over, the presents can be opened, and the cost of Christmas can be counted. Sad in a way that I should begin this Christmas message with such words. But a recent cartoon in the ODT summed it all up. So simple a gift as a fruit basket is beyond the ability of some to buy. There will always be those who give beyond their means to the one so much loved to the one to whom so much is due, to the one who, unfortunately, expects more than they deserve. Christmas is, as it must be, a time for reflection when we consider the events of the previous year and begin to prepare ourselves for the next And that makes us think hard about our troubled world. One thing I suggest we should not do is to think of Christmas simply in terms of wise men and shepherds, of angels singing, of a romantic stable with a manger and gentle farm animals. You see, the popular Christmas stories from the Gospels were a long time in the making, maybe even centuries. And, let's note, only Matthew and Luke tell them neither Mark nor John thought it necessary to recall the events surrounding the birth of a baby at Bethlehem. What mattered to them, and must matter to us, is the lesson to be learnt from his death. But those wonderful stories came as a result, surely, of decades of thinking about that man who had been put to death on a cross and yet known for sure to be alive. To account for such a miracle, these first Christians turned to their own Jewish scriptures for answers. And they found example after example of prophetic words that made sense of the mystery. The words of my text are an example of this, from the prophet Isaiah. Of all the great prophets, the one who understood the longing of the Jewish people for a Messiah, the one who would lead them to peace and honour. But when you look at the words, these words, you don't have a detailed picture of what the Messiah will do. All you have is a simple word, Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God's presence. Is all that is needed. For Jesus himself, the presence of God was to be explained in terms of intimate love, like that of a parent, love that is both comfort and compassion, both challenge and consolation. Other things must be said, and this morning I offer three words to you for your consideration. Firstly, there is purity, a precious gift these days when humanity is valued in dollars and cents. So many of the familiar stories have this as a theme, the legends about Mary herself a mother and a son without splop, spot or blemish, the purity of innocence, the helplessness of the newborn child. Purity can't be bought. Purity once lost can hardly be recreated. But if it was there in the past, it can be remembered. And in that sense, it can be experienced again. Secondly, there is poverty. It was a setting into which Jesus was born, the son of a poor carpenter who had been summoned to Bethlehem to pay his tax. Jesus was simply one of the nameless poor and in poverty, he died. There is poverty in the stable, and in a town whose inn lacked room for a woman in labour. And the first witnesses to his birth, the shepherds, were on the bottom rung of the ladder of financial security. Jesus was to be most at home in the world of the poor. He believed, even, that it would be the poverty-stricken who would inherit God's good earth, an idea that has no place in the planning of today's policy makers. Finally, there is promise. Purity, Poverty, Promise, illustrated so vividly in the coming of the wise men from the East, responding to a sign for which they had been waiting for years beyond number. They had travelled across desert and foreign lands in search of that promise, and they found the answer to their dream in a stable, and not in a royal palace. When they reached their destination, they knew they had found what they had been looking for. And their gifts, symbolic in so many ways, represent all that we can give. There's another Christmas hymn, and it ends in these words, Let Them Be Ours. Thou child of man, lo, to Bethlehem the kings are travelling. Travel with them. The star of mercy, the star of grace, shall lead thy heart to its resting place. Gold myrrh thou canst not bring. Offer thy heart to the infant king. Amen. Let's pray. Holy friend, we thank you for the simple, humble things that come to us, bringing flashes of light and joy. A bird singing its heart out on a chilly dawn. Wild flowers in the bush. Music that touches deep places in our soul. A small child having conversation in make-believe land. A meal waiting for us when we arrive home. Words from a favourite poem or song. The person who chats with us in a gathering of strangers. Let us pray, let us remember workers who ply their trades with skill and integrity, reliable citizens and service organisations and local government, police officers, street cleaners, teachers, social workers, parking attendants, nurses, shop assistants, Parents always on call, providing physical and spiritual nurture and attending to a thousand small details every day. The ordinary folk whom we take for granted. Steadfast friends who are there when we need them. The quiet achievers and those who express their faith in practical ways. God of grace, we pray for these and a host like them who constantly leaven this world with goodness and mercy, yet ask for nothing except the knowledge that they do Christ's will. Help us, loving God to learn the way of Christ from one another. And in your hands, may our very ordinariness become a witness to your glory in Emmanuel. Through Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen. And we end with a happy Alleluia. Sing a happy Alleluia, words by Shirley Murray, sung by the Aurieri College Choir in South Auckland, whose conductor is Terence Maskell. But let me add a word. The music is by Colin Gibson. I pay my tribute on your behalf certainly my own personal tribute to this wonderful man who has just died, who has contributed so much in his hymns, both words and music, to the life of the churches in New Zealand. To his family, we send our greetings and our love and our sympathy. As we listen to this wonderful, cheerful Christmas song. Sing a happy Alleluia. Amen. It's almost time for the celebration, the special celebration of Emmanuel, God is with us. Wherever you are, give thanks for the one who comes among us in humility. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and fellowship in the Holy Spirit be with you all now in the days of celebration still to come